Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Well, 2020 was off to a great start for me. Uh, New Year's Day, even though the Badgers lost, had a great day. And then yesterday, had a great day as well. I've been eating the veggies, been working out a little bit, not sleeping in too much. 2020 was off to a great start, and I wake up this morning, and I go on Twitter. I check out the news. What's going on? Okay, Australia is burning down, and apparently World War III is going to start. 2020, it was it was fun. It was fun while it lasted. 2021 is going to be our year, everyone. It only took two days. Uh, we're not going to talk about any of that stuff today. Not going to get into the fires in Australia. We're not going to talk uh, too much about a, a possibility of a war starting, although we are going to talk to Rick Solom coming up here in about 10 minutes. We're going to talk a lot of Packers today. We're going to talk a lot of football today. I even want to talk about Mike McCarthy because we're in this this end-of-the-week lull where it's been almost a week since we've had football games and the Bucks didn't play last night and we... Kind of beat the Badgers to death yesterday. So let's let's get back to our roots. Let's talk green and gold. Let's talk the Packers. Even though they're on bye this week, this is a big day for the Packers and in the NFL because it's kind of an awards type of day. The AP voting came out today. So first team All-Pro, second team All-Pro. We have the award winner. So let's start there. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. And we're going to talk a lot of Wisconsin sports today, as we always do. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Uh, thanks for hanging out. It was a big day for the best of the best. In the NFL, the Pro Bowl is kind of a popularity contest. We all know that. But the AP voting is supposed to really say, okay, they might not be the most popular. They might not play on the best team or in the biggest market or get the most attention. But these players are the best of the best. And they're voted on by the AP. It's not a fan vote. It's not a popularity contest. These are football people, right, who are voting on these awards. So the Packers have one AP All-Pro. One All-Pro. David Bakhtiari made the second team as obviously the left tackle. This is his fourth time. Fourth time becoming an AP, uh, either first or second team All-Pro. He's been second team in 2016, 17, and then this year, 2019. He was first team last year in 2018. So the Packers' only All-Pro is... David Bakhtiari. And and All-Pro is interesting, as is the Pro Bowl, because sometimes you, you got it figured out. You know, okay, they're going to select this guy for All-Pro because they're going to look at this statistic and this statistic, and sometimes it's not the case. They pick somebody completely unexpected, just when you think you, you get the AP voters figured out. Much like the Pro Bowl, you think, oh, David Bakhtiari is having a hell of a year. Of course he's going to be a Pro Bowler. Or to use a Viking example, Stephon Diggs is having a great year. He's he's Of course he's going to be a Pro Bowl, but sometimes you guess wrong. Sometimes you assume wrong, or your hunch isn't true, or you're being a fan. And we want to think that that a Packer player is better than he really is, or a Vikings or Bears player. We, we want to elevate those players. Well, they, he should be a Pro Bowl, or he should be an All-Pro, even though it's not really the case. So sometimes it's hard to predict who is going to end up either on the Pro Bowl teams or the All-Pro teams. And it's really interesting when All-Pro and AP intersect. David Bakhtiari, it's, it's fascinating, because he has made All-Pro now four times. Three times, or, or yes, three times as a second team, or 16, 17, 19. First team in 2018. Oddly enough, some of his best years, as indicated with the, the All-Pro selections, don't coincide with his Pro Bowl voting. He's been a Pro Bowler in 2016 and in 2019, this year. David Bakhtiari made the Pro Bowl this year, but he's kind of having a 
a down year. He has played tremendous down the stretch this year, and that certainly helped, I think, boost his campaign to get into that second-team All-Pro. But to start the year, oh, down down by his standards, certainly still a, a great left tackle, but picking up the penalties, getting called for holds, missing assignments, hasn't been the case recently, and I think that's what ultimately vaulted him into second-team All-Pro, but he's had better years. Last year, he was tremendous, and he didn't even get a Pro Bowl nod. So th- th- these awards... They're often not reflective of maybe how great of a season he's having. David Bakhtiari might be first-team All-Pro and doesn't end up being the Pro Bowl. So it's kind of odd, and it's kind of funny to watch, and people get all bent out of shape about it. The other Packer player that I think a lot of people were hoping might end up on an All-Pro list is Zadarius Smith. And and he didn't. He missed out by just a couple of votes. Unlike Bakhtiari, who made it onto that second team, he finished fifth. So he finished behind Chandler Jones and TJ Watt. Those are your first teamers. And then behind Shaquille Barrett and Cameron Jordan, the two second teamers. It's interesting because his sack numbers are impressive, but they're not top of the league. He's actually sixth in sacks in the NFL behind Shaquille Barrett, Chandler Jones, Cam Jordan, Daniel Hunter, who wasn't in that all-pro group, and then TJ Watt. So Daniel Hunter and TJ Watt are tied at fourth. Zedarius Smith is sixth in sacks at 13 and a half. Missing out barely on all pro. Now, when it comes to sacks, sure, yeah. He certainly isn't one of those top three or four guys, which is what it takes. But if you look at pressures, pressures, a different statistic. Zedarius Smith leads the NFL with 93. Okay, so is it more important to have sacks? Is it more important to have pressures? If you wanted to make an argument for Zedarius Smith, you would probably talk about how he lines up in different places and does a lot of different things. He's versatile. That's something that doesn't necessarily show up on your traditional box score. But it's all about... What statistic is going to be valued most by voters? This year, it appears to be sacks. I, I was on Twitter today, and and Pro Football Focus uh, was was tweeting out some statistics and interesting tidbits about the AP All All Pro the, the All Pro voting. Zedarius Smith with ninety three pressures leads the NFL. Didn't make an All Pro team. This has happened a couple of times in the last ten years or so. It happened in two thousand eleven. That was the last time it happened. Where Chris Long, who led the NFL in pressures, didn't end up on an AP team. Tom Bahali, that was the same with 97 pressures. Holy smokes. In 2010 and 2006, Kyle Vandenbosch. So it has happened a couple of times where the NFL leader in pressures has been left off an AP team. But it's not like Zedaria Smith has been a slouch when it comes to sacks either. He's got 13 and a half. But just when you think you figured out this player is going to be an all pro, this player is going to be an all pro. That's when you get hit with a U-turn. It's when you get hit with with a complete surprise. I, I didn't expect Zedarius Smith to be on an all-pro team. I didn't really know what to expect. I thought David Bakhtiari had a good chance. Zedarius Smith had a good chance. Aaron Jones maybe has a good chance. Who knows? I, I was just interested to see how it plays out. Zedarius Smith just missing by a couple of votes, which is too bad. He's having a really good season. And if and it's crazy because I'm looking at the the uh, sack leaders right now. Zedarius Smith is at six. Preston is two spots behind him at eighth. So Brian Gutekind's two offseason additions have teamed up to 13 and a half sacks and 12 sacks, Zedarius and Preston Smith. Pretty great season. And I, look, I'd take two great pass rushers over one elite, elite, elite pass rusher. And when I say elite, I, I think Preston and Zedarius are elite, but they're not number one in sacks. And maybe that's what kept them off uh, the all pro teams. Now, talking about awards, I want to shift gears really briefly and, and, and mention something else. Leroy Butler is once again a finalist for the Hall of Fame. I don't know 100% if Zedarius Smith should have been the All-Pro team. David Bakhtiari, if he should have been first team, second team, or, or maybe should have been left off. I don't know. I know with 100% certainty 
that Leroy Butler needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Needs, needs, needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Four-time All-Pro. Now, he's been eligible since 2007, and he's been a finalist uh, the last couple of years. He is the only player, offensive or defensive, from the 1990s All-Decade team who hasn't been a finalist. Finalist for an introduction. So he's been a semi-finalist, but he hasn't made it to, to the very end. He hasn't been a legit finalist for inter- induction. And, and I was reading a little bit about Leroy Butler because I wasn't alive to watch Leroy Butler play. I have to do a little bit of research and read and, and watch highlights, maybe like some of you don't. I, you know, people forget exactly how impactful Leroy Butler was. I think that's the right way to put it. How he could impact the game in so many different ways. He's a part of that 1990s all-decade team, but he has not been a finalist. He's the only one on that team who hasn't been a finalist yet. And it's crazy, because if, if you feel bad, look, if you have a New Year's resolution and, and you've broken your New Year's resolution, or you're feeling down on yourself right now, you're having a hard time, just remember, there are people in the world who think that John Lynch deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more so than Leroy Butler. And I don't care what you got going on in your life. If you're on some tough times, you're having issues getting to the gym for your New Year's resolution, it doesn't matter. Those people are worse. <laughs> like The John Lynch people are worse. John Lynch has been a finalist. He's gotten closer than Leroy Butler. There's no way John, John Lynch didn't impact a game like Leroy Butler did. In his career... John Lynch, 26 interceptions and 13 sacks. Compare that to Leroy Butler. More interceptions. Leroy Butler had 38 and certainly more sacks. He had 20 and a half. Leroy Butler was a guy who could ruin games. And look, pass rushers can ruin games and quarterbacks and wide receivers can ruin games. It's difficult, especially in in today's NFL, but even in the 1990s as a safety to make everything happen like that. Man, oh man, oh man. Leroy Butler needs to be in the Hall of Fame, certainly before John Lynch. We're up against it. Got to take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Rick Solom of Lacrosse Talk PM. We're going to see what he's talking about over there, and we're going to share some spicy sports takes with him. He will no doubt disagree. That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY, and I am... Unorganized. I'm behind. Uh, I'm behind schedule right now. We're joining Rick Solom of Lacrosse Talk PM, our sister station. Rick, what's going on, man? Happy New Year! Yeah, you too. Happy New Year. How long before we can't say Happy New Year anymore to like people we haven't seen this year, quote unquote? Mm, that's next, a, that's a good next week probably Monday tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow still good. I, I'm gonna say when next when the next work week starts next Monday. So Monday, if I see uh, like I haven't seen Dave this year yet, so okay. I can't even say it to him. Well, here's here's the thing: if you're not close enough with someone to have already wished them an, a happy New Year's, you probably don't need to wish them a happy New Year's. Is that a bad take? Is that a good take? <laughs> no, that's no happy New Year is a very easy way to say hi to someone in an upbeat, like more than just high fashion, True. especially to someone you don't know very well. True. Well, I guess that's how we started this conversation and it's going, it's going great so Swimmingly. far. Yeah, yeah. We only have so much time too. I feel like we have 19 things to talk about. Yeah. Uh, over on the sports station, WKTY, Grant Bills joining me. Uh, we call this, we're going to get imaging someday yeah. through the wall. Cause Grant is literally through the wall to my right. Uh, Grant, you you guys, we t- we did a pre-show before this uh, yep. a little bit. Mike McCarthy to the Browns seems like a terrible idea to me. Really? Yeah. You don't like it? Yeah, I have Kareem Hunt so as yeah. my fantasy keeper. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that then it makes sense. 
then it makes sense. I have, I'm doing a segment today, Rick, and I told you this beforehand. I'm actually doing a segment about how I think Mike McCarthy is actually going to pan out as a coach wherever he goes. And I didn't think that a year ago, but now that I've thought about it for a year and I'm seeing what's kind of happening in the NFL, I actually think Mike McCarthy is going to work wherever he goes. Okay. Am, I, am I crazy? Is that me being a Packer well, homer? Well, it's basketball season right now, and McCarthy, did his son graduate high school? Right, he was a senior last year. I'm not. I I think so. I'm not. I'm not sure. Should I just stalk his family right well, now? Well, we look should up the, the ages. We, we he should stay out of the high school gyms because he's yes. going to get in trouble now. If you get in trouble, if you yell at a ref now, it's a it's going to be a, a jail time. Yeah, in Wisconsin, it's so a misdemeanor. He's got to get out of the state because he gets fiery <laughs> with those high school refs. That's really what this is about. He's pursuing another coaching job just because he knows that at some point he he can't afford to take a misdemeanor. Uh, in a high school gym, I think Mike McCarthy's going to work, Rick. Like, let me give you the short, the the short way of putting this. Last year, all the the young coaches were hired, right? That's what it was about: the up and coming young offensive minds. And then this year, the NFL is all about like old school, like running the football. Like that's what the Niners and the Ravens do. And, and probably the best offensive coordinator job that's been done this year has been by Greg Roman who is not young and up and coming. He coached with Kaepernick. He was around on this old Niner team. So I think the NFL is going to kind of shift because that's what happens. The NFL will. Like there'll be something that's going well, and then everybody will figure it out, and it'll shift to something. Well, else. that's that's all. Yeah. That's my theory in almost all sports. Yeah, is, I don't know if it works so well in basketball because the points just are worth more from outside the three point line. Yeah, but uh, in in baseball, I've been saying for about seven years we need to uh, fill the bullpens with relief pitchers. Stop paying starting pitchers twenty million dollars a year. Yep. use that twenty million dollars to get guys that know how to hit the baseball. Okay. And then spend a million or two million on all these journeyman pitchers. Because every year you see some closer that's never been a closer before be the best closer in the game. I'm like, well, why don't we just have the entire staff, these guys, and then uh, batters never get used to uh, a pitcher because we shift them every you know three innings. Yeah, so well, they never see the same pitcher twice. And in football, we've gone to this place where the quarterback is the main guy Throwing to wide receivers because it's harder to defend wide receivers now. You can't really touch them at all. Uh, Well, now all the linemen are 250-pound dudes that can run and, and, you know, very athletic linemen defensively as well. Like, you're trying to get to the quarterback. You want, you know, thinner dudes, faster dudes. Well, what if uh, a team loaded up with 330-pound linemen and got a, you know, Jerome Bettis 250-pound running back and just said, we're going to go straight up the gut every time with your, you know, we're just going to run you over. So that's, I, I think that would be funny to see a team try to shift that way. Baltimore kind of is doing that, but they just have a quarterback that's, you know, uh, 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 out of this world. Yeah. Like, nobody knows what to do with this guy. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Two points. When, when you talk about Lamar Jackson, I, I don't think the Ravens are, are a great running team and they figured out like a new style of, of playing. They've definitely, they want to run the ball, but I think it's more so that Lamar Jackson is that unique and that special. Right. I, I think it's I don't think it's fair to Lamar Jackson to say that now all the teams are going to pivot to have a running quarterback and to run the football the way the Ravens do. Like Lamar Jackson is just that good. Like, yeah, I, think, I think it's disrespectful to think other teams could just simply do that because yeah. nobody has a Lamar Jackson. Well, that that would be like in the NBA, all the teams going, you know, what we need Giannis and we need yeah. Giannis and yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. So I think it's a little bit of a disservice to Lamar Jackson. I, I don't think. I don't know if teams are going to start loading up on like only Big Ten offensive linemen with 330 pounders and huge players. But Rick, I mean, if you look at the playoff picture, 
Like, the Titans run the football really well. The Ravens run the football really well. The Patriots do because they can't really throw it that well. And then the Saints have Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. The Niners have made, like, running the football cool again. And the Vikings, they have two great receivers. But what everybody has been talking about is Dalvin Cook coming back. Yeah. So I think running the ball is, is becoming cool well, again. And you see the NFL kind of swing back and forth between the Packers, these trends. The Packers just made that shift this year. Yeah. Right? We gotta. We can't have Aaron Rodgers be the savior because he's getting old. Hey, uh, you know, uh, and I'll let you guys continue that conversation. Yeah, WKTY. yeah. <laughs> now, everyone, I think a lot of people can relate to, uh, hey, Mike McCarthy was a coach here for, what, 15 years yeah. or more? Yep. So everyone can kind of relate. But, you know, I started the show over here on WIZM uh, talking about, it, we we mentioned you a little bit. Like, are you as a twenty one year old a Gen Xer? Right, that's what you are. I think so. I'm on the I'm on the very tail end of like I'm right at the end of millennials and right before because I was born in the late nineties. But I don't know if that really counts. You know, um, you're not in class right now, right? Like you you at UWL. No, nope, like no, nope, we're are on, on break. we're on break until. Geez, I don't even know. I try not to think about it. Late January, but right you know, February. when I was in college, I remember coming out of the shower in the living room, looking at the TV and seeing the World Trade Centers go down. Like yeah. I, I, That's where I was. I can remember that. I don't think this is a World Trade Center type thing in your memory. You're, you're probably not remembering when uh, Iranian Iran, Iran's number two got, you know, assassinated. Yeah. Uh, but but the talk, I don't know if you talk. Are you talking with friends, roommates? I, oh, I, my God. World War Three, because that's kind of like where we're escalating. This. I have been slightly. And I think social media, I, I, ta- I brought it up kind of as a joke to start my show about how 20, 2020 in three days has already been pretty crazy. I've been like kind of commenting with my friends. We haven't been having like sit down like heart to heart chats. But I'm like, holy cow. What if like what if we were to actually get drafted? Like what if kids my age were to get drafted? What if that happen to our country because I think I I don't know about you Rick but I had kind of dismissed that possibility that was ever going to happen again because a draft hasn't happened since Vietnam am I am I being correct (laughs) I I know sports trivia better than I know history so that was the last draft right I would I would I'm guessing I guess I don't I don't actually know that being a I I was a history minor in college but college ended in 2001 and I've since forgotten most of my history I I will tell you that uh the Pentagon readied 4,000 paratroopers out of Fort Bragg in North Carolina and uh, some 750 more troops are already deployed, and I think 3,000 other troops are getting ready. I might be reading two different stories here, but maybe between three and 4,000 troops getting ready to head over to the Middle East, which we were going to get out of. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a, a thing. But you you made a joke to me, like you said, what about you you as a 21 year old, your generation being a soldier? What did you say? I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for everyone my age, but me and my friends, I I, I think of World War One and I think of World War Two and and Vietnam when when conscription and when drafts happened. And I think back in the you know 40s and, and 50s or or in World War One, I, I think. Young men like myself were proud and they were willing to go do just about anything for their country. If there was a draft today, Rick, I don't know if that would be the case. I don't know. You're going to send a bunch of kids my age who I I don't know. I I just don't know if if that system would work now like it used to work. And I know it's mandatory, so it's not really a. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's not really up to us to make it work. But the the last draft, 1973. So uh, here's here's my thought is uh, wars have changed. I don't know. I mean, I mean, this story in the New York Times does say the Pentagon readied four thousand paratroopers. So those okay. dudes are parachuting out of planes or jets or whatever you want to call it. Legit boots the, on the ground, onto the ground. So boots on the ground. But my thought is, 
uh, you guys are going to be the best soldiers because you're you've been training to be a soldier your whole life. You've been playing uh, Call of Duty yep. and 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 basically flying helicopters, military helicopters to take out. Uh, you're essentially been flying drones your whole life. You've oh, yeah. had video games your whole life. I went from Pong when I was very little, two pieces of two squares on a screen and a dot going back and forth. Uh, I've played Call of Duty and Battlefield. I've played some of those, but you've you've played Battlefield your whole life. You're you're ready for this. Man. I you know you, that's... you don't even need to wait for the draft. You should just <laughs> I should just enlist. Yeah, enlist. Should I just put myself on the front lines? I would be a terrible. Well, no, very soft. Well, soldier. the front lines would be you know you get main controller Grant. Okay, you have the I number get controller one. one. Is that it? <laughs> controller one. Uh, you're flying the drone. You're flying the the head drone. I don't know how many drones head to these drone strikes, but yeah. Uh, what yeah. are Rick? What are your listeners saying about this this situation? About like, and I know we're we're like calling it World War Three. Like that's the trending thing on social media and on the news. I don't know if that's exactly what we're dealing with, but this could potentially be like a conflict. Like, what are what are your listeners saying? I'm interested. Yeah, they, uh, you know, I'm getting texts here as as we're talking about this. So I, it's hard for me to read text and uh, talk at the same time yeah. and have thoughts. Uh, you know, here's one texter. Uh, as I understand, the U.S. has had multiple opportunities to take this guy out all the way back to the Bush administration. Determination was the cost of the unknown rep- rep- repercussions outweighing the benefit. So, sure. you know, and that's kind of the, the problem I posed uh, when we started the show is, OK, this guy is the number two in Iran and he's, a, you know, at war with America in some in some form or fashion, and yeah. I think a lot of us, as the general public, we were like, "What? Who is this guy?" This yeah. is the you know, like you made a joke. You made I don't know if you made a joke. We're in meme culture. I, I did talk about yeah. some memes. Like we're in meme culture. A lot of people get their info on memes, uh, two sentences and a picture, and that's all the information I need to have an opinion. Your opinion was some you saw a meme something about Saddam Hussein. Right? Yeah, we were joking that it's. I think people might use the same logic here. Like Saddam Hussein is a bad guy, and the world is better without him, no matter the repercussions or what might happen. And that might have been the mindset the first time around. And, and I saw a meme that was joking that now people are reliving that same thought process, not really remembering how it went the last time around. I, I just think it's fascinating. And I don't follow politics nearly as closely as you, obviously. But talk, we've talked about pulling troops out now for how long? And it, and we're told, that, oh, the troops, you know, we're pulling troops out. We're going to pull troops out. We're going to end the war. And it just I don't is, is it ever going to happen? Just, or are we always going to have a presence over there? I don't know. Yeah, right. And, and Yeah, it was like, hey, are we did we elect? this guy to pull the troops out of the middle east uh, yeah. america first and we're gonna you know put tariffs on everyone and, and try to do everything from home to start and then go out from there but uh my friend luke uh in in one of our threads that we're we're talking about this stuff he said uh we fight these wars there over there right yeah. there's a there's a whole series called over there it's about iraq it was kind of interesting uh uh many years ago yeah I, I watched but we fight these wars over there to ensure they don't take place here but by doing so we guarantee there will always be a war to fight right we're perpetuating hate by yeah. uh you know the death to america chance a couple of days ago those are only going to get stronger because we just killed uh someone beloved in iran i guess yeah i mean i god i hope this is 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 tense as it gets it's it, it's interesting you're talking about leadership making big decisions and repercussions and i'm about to talk about coaching hirings and firings that have repercussions obviously much less serious so i guess it all kind of ties together in one way or another doesn't it rick yes and uh <laughs> and and then uh we'll let you get, continue that conversation i really wanted to talk about the badgers uh 
all-decade team, but maybe we'll do that next week because uh, whatever. We could do that. You didn't watch bowl games, did you? I didn't watch any football. Oh, Rick, you always play the heel when you come on this show. Do you understand <laughs> that? You you always take the unpopular I opinion. did wear an Oregon hat all day uh what was it? New Year's Day. So. Yeah, that's just see. Go that's Ducks. just Rick. That's just Rick. Classic Rick Solom right there. Go Ducks! All right, I got to hit news. Grant, <laughs> yeah, thanks for too. joining. Uh, yeah, Rick, have a good show. That's Grant Bills. WK. That's Rick Solom of WIZM. Because once a week we have to talk about random topics that don't always include sports. We're going to get back to sports. Talk about this uh, weekend of games and maybe who the Packers should end up playing or who do you want to see the Packers end up playing. I'll say right now, I'm not scared of the Saints, but I'm getting a vibe that everyone else is. So maybe I'll try to understand you. You try to understand me. And I do want to talk about Mike McCarthy because I I have a theory that Mike McCarthy is going to get a coaching job and he's going to rock. And a year ago, I didn't feel that way and my mind is changing. I'll explain why, although we covered it a little bit with Rick. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show to come here on WKTY presented by Played Against Sports. Don't go anywhere. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Happy Friday. Thanks for hanging out. It is going to be an awesome weekend of NFL games. And it's even better because my team, the Green Bay Packers, are in the playoffs but don't have to play this weekend. So I can enjoy this weekend's games with the satisfaction of knowing my team is still alive without the stress of having to watch my team actually play in an elimination game. It really is perfect. It really is perfect. And and a big thank you before uh, before we get into talking uh, about this weekend's games. A big thanks to Rick Solom, uh, who hosts Lacrosse Talk on our sister station, WIZM, at this exact same time uh, for joining my show and, and, and letting me hop on his as well and talking about some interesting topics, some different topics that, of course, would never be covered on the show. Rick doesn't sound too convinced that we're actually going to have World War III. Uh, but then again, Rick didn't watch any bowl games. So is Rick really American if he didn't watch any college f- football on New Year's Day. I'm kidding, of course. 608 796 is the five-star telecom talking text line. And if you want to talk football, any of these weekend's games, or what they mean for the Packers, just give me a call. Give me a text. I'd love to have a conversation. The slate looks really good this weekend, and all the games kind of line up where and when I would like them to line up. As a fan who's going to just be a lazy pile and watch all these games, Texans-Bills play Saturday at 3.30. And it feels like the Texans have played that time slot, that game, for what, the last five or six years? Even before they had Deshaun Watson. Back when they were playing the Raiders, when when the Raiders were good and Derek Carr broke his leg and was out, and I don't know who they started, Matt McGloin or Brandon Whedon, whoever the Texans were starting at the time. They have always played Saturday, 3.30. That is their game. That is their time slot in which they always play. The night game on Saturday is Titans-Patriots at just after 7 o'clock. The Vikings and Saints play at noon. They're the early game on Sunday. And then Seahawks... Eagles is the nightcap or the, the late afternoon game, 3.30 on Sunday. First of all, as a fan, I think this is designed perfectly. I think this is this lines up perfectly because the AFC games are on Saturday. Both should be fun. Both should be entertaining. But neither of those games directly impact Packers fans or Vikings fans until, of course, the Super Bowl rolls around, which who knows if the Packers or Vikings will be in that Super Bowl. But it is fun to watch the other side of the playoff bracket. And I would argue that I think a lot of football fans around the country outside of New England have a rooting interest in watching Tom Brady and the Patriots lose. Am I, am I the only one? I would imagine a good portion of people listening want to see the Titans win. Pulling for the upset, you want to see the dynasty go down. That's certainly where I find myself, and I'm going to be watching on Saturday night hoping uh, that the Titans beat the Patriots and, and cheering against the Patriots all throughout the playoffs just because that's what we do. That's what sports fans do. So those games don't directly influence the Packers or the Vikings. Then on Sunday, things get real. 
Things get real on Sunday. Vikings and Saints at noon. That feels like a game that shouldn't happen this early in the playoffs, right? Vikings-Saints feels like it could be a division round game or an NFC Championship game like it was a few years ago. Those are two really good teams. And I guess it's more of a a testament to the strength of the NFC and the strength of the playoffs this year where we have Vikings-Saints in the first round on wildcard weekend. A lot of good teams. A lot of good teams. And then the Seahawks-Eagles play at 3.30. They're the last game. The only thing I would change is I would like to start with Seahawks-Eagles and put Vikings-Saints as the late game. Because in the playoffs, we only have so many games. We only have four games a weekend, at least until the conference championships, of course, in which there are two, and then the Super Bowl is one. When there's only four games, you're not allowed to jump around and say, okay, this game's bad, we'll wait for the 3.30, we'll wait for the Sunday night, we'll wait for the Monday night, we'll wait for the Thursday night. No, we have four games. So I feel as though I want every game to get better as we go. Certainly the least exciting game, I think, is Texans-Bills. Titans-Patriots or Seahawks-Eagles are kind of equally as average Either one of those games on Saturday night, Sunday morning would be fine. I wish the Vikings-Saints game was the last game of the day on Sunday. Because then I could look forward to it. Because if the Vikings-Saints game is great and Seahawks-Eagles stinks, which it's going to, like that game is going to be ugly, that's going to be a little bit of a letdown. But that's fine. That's a small complaint. I wish Minnesota-New Orleans was the night game. It, It feels like it's so early in the playoffs for that matchup, a matchup that was the NFC Championship game just a couple weeks ago. As of right now, if the... If the best team wins, if the higher-seeded team wins in each game, then the Packers are looking at hosting the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round at Lambeau Field. That's probably what is going to happen. And I talked about Viking Saints a couple of times earlier this week. I actually think it's going to be a pretty good game. I think the Vikings are healthy. I think they're a really good team, and I think they will get as close to winning this game as possible without actually winning it. The Saints-Vikings game on Sunday is going to mirror the Saints-Seahawks game on Monday night from a couple of weeks ago, where the Vikings came in and played great. They had a very, very perfect game plan. If I, if I, I, It was a perfect game plan. They knew exactly what to attack on Seattle. They knew exactly how to play them defensively. They came in with a perfect game plan, executed it, and what it came down to was Russell Wilson made a couple of plays to win the game, and Kirk Cousins didn't. Kirk Cousins had a chance to drive down and win it, couldn't get it done. I think this Sunday's game is going to be very similar to that game that was in Seattle, where the Vikings are just as talented. I think their coach is great. I don't think Mike Zimmer is Sean Payton, but I think he's a decent enough coach. Their talent is great. I think their game plan will be great. They might even execute, but if Kirk Cousins can't make those couple plays, the Saints are going to win, although I do think it's going to be a close and a really good game. Most Vikings fans don't. Most most people think the Saints are going to blow them out. I, I'd be surprised. I would be. I want the Vikings eliminated because I think the Vikings are a team that could very well come into Lambeau Field and beat the Packers. I'm not scared of the Saints. I'll say it. I'll come out and say it. I'm not scared of the Saints. I'm not scared of Drew Brees. I'm not scared of Sean Payton because the Packers would be playing them at home. Now, that might come back to bite me. I might say, oh, my God, I should have been I should have been scared of the Saints. Maybe. But as of right now, Scrady was giving me crap the other morning. He's he is reserved to the fact that his Vikings are going to lose to the Saints and it's not going to be close, which I don't think is the case. And then he is also very confident in the fact that the Saints are going to roll into Lambeau Field in the division around and kill the Packers, which I don't I don't expect. I don't think is the case at all. I think the Packers will beat the Saints at Lambeau Field should the Saints advance. I'm not scared of Drew Brees. I'm not scared of Sean Payton. Drew Brees, and I cannot pound the desk and reiterate this enough, is not good on the road in the playoffs. He's not. 
And I've, you know, I was doing research today and I was looking at the regular season and how they played on the road. They were seven and one on the road this year. The Saints were. Now, a couple of those road wins were Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater lost in LA. He was the one loss, but he did win in Seattle, a very difficult place to play. He won in Jacksonville and he won in Chicago against, at the time, a Bears team that had high hopes and high aspirations and were a competitive team this season. So Teddy Bridgewater got a couple of those wins. Drew Brees won on the road in Tampa Bay, in Atlanta, lost, uh, or excuse me, won at Tampa Bay, won at Carolina, won in Tennessee, and won in Carolina again. God, I'm tripping over myself. Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Tennessee, Carolina. (laughs) Those were Drew Brees' road wins. None of them in the cold. None of them really in the element. I mean, he was playing in a dome in Atlanta. Tampa Bay is, they had a bowl game there. Warm, sunshiny Florida. Tennessee and Nashville might have been the the most difficult test, and the the Texans are playing red-hot football, or the Titans, not the Texans, are playing red-hot football, so that is an impressive road win. But winning in Carolina, Carolina quit after Ron Rivera was fired. Saints did go 7-1 on the road this season, but a couple of those wins were Teddy Bridgewater, and the wins that Drew Brees did get done were in warm climates or in a dome. In the playoffs, these are Drew Brees' splits. Ready? At home, 7-0, 16 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. On the road, 1-5, 13 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. There you go. There you go. You you think a 40-plus-year-old Drew Brees is going to come into Lambeau Field? He doesn't play well on the road at all, let alone in the freezing cold. And that doesn't get easier as you age. He's supposed to come into Lambeau Field and beat a Packers team who's going to be well-rested, physical, and can run the football? This Packers team is designed to play in Lambeau Field in January for the first time in probably five years, for the first time since 2014 when when Eddie Lacy was making moves and the defense could actually get after the quarterback and cover. This is the first time in five years I think they have a team designed and able to win in Lambeau Field. And you think a 40-plus-year-old Drew Brees is going to go on the road in the cold and win? I'm not afraid of the Saints. And maybe this'll 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 be an old take exposed type of thing. Remember when Grant said he wasn't afraid of the Saints? Maybe. As of right now, I think the Packers would beat the Saints at Lambeau Field Division Round. And, and honestly, I I'm not really even that concerned in that prediction. I don't think the Saints are gonna beat him. So here are the scenarios, here are the situations, and here's how to cheer this weekend if such a thing matters to you. Maybe you're of the belief that the Packers are gonna have to beat everyone anyways to make the Super Bowl, so it doesn't matter who they play. If that is your mindset, I commend you. That is not my mindset. I want the I want the best matchup. I want the easiest matchup. Here's here's what you need to happen as a Packer fan. If you want to play the Saints, just cheer for the Vikings to lose. If the Vikings lose, the Saints are coming to Lambeau. Now, if the Vikings win, they are the sixth seed, and they won't play the Packers because they're the lowest remaining seed, so they will automatically play the Niners. The Packers would then play the remaining team from Seattle and Philly. Either one would be at home. I think the Packers, man, oh man. I think the Packers have a great shot to beat New Orleans at home. I think they have a pretty good shot to beat the Seahawks at home. Is it weird for me to say that I might be most scared of those three teams? I might be most concerned about the Eagles? I think Carson Wentz is a guy who could get a win done at Lambeau Field. I mean, he did it earlier this year, but Carson Wentz has been playing so good. Could he come into Lambeau Field and get it done? I, I, I... God, I think so. They can't cover tight ends. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, that's enough to win a football game right there. 
I don't think Drew Brees would be good in the cold. I don't think the Seahawks as a whole are that good, especially on the road. I think they have a great coach and a great quarterback. But the Eagles, for some reason, as a Packer fan, I want the Saints. Give me the Saints. I know that sounds contrary. I know the Eagles barely made it into the playoffs and were barely over 500. But give me the Saints. I think the Packers can beat the Saints. And it would take an absolute juggernaut out of the playoff picture if the Packers were able to eliminate the Saints. Think of that. I don't want to play the Vikings. I would rather the Packers play the Saints than the Vikings. And I know the Vikings have had issues winning in prime time on big stages, specifically Kirk Cousins. But I think the Vikings come into Lambeau Field and say, we played this team twice this year. We should have won both times. There's, we're not frightened by Lambeau Field. We're not frightened by Aaron Rodgers. We're not frightened by the Packers. We play in their division, and we believe we're better than them. And I think the Vikings probably do believe they're better than the Packers. That's a team I do not want coming into Lambeau Field because I think they could very well beat the Packers in the postseason. Very well beat the Packers. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all. Give me the Saints division around, and we'll go from there. Although I think the Vikings play a very good, very close game. I just, once again, I, I think Kirk Cousins is going to come up a, a few plays short of a win, as we've seen a couple of times this year. Uh, when we come back, this is the, I've never been this excited about a take the last couple of weeks. I am back on the Mike McCarthy train. I woke up this morning, saw a, a headline about Mike McCarthy, and I said, you know what? I'm here for it. I think Mike McCarthy's going to crush it at his next coaching job. I will explain why coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. Happy New Year. Thanks for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch up. Just check out the podcast, WKTYsports.com, and on our mobile app as well. Local action tonight, Logan on Alaska. You can listen to that game however you're listening right now. That'll do the trick. You can always stream on our website and on our app, and you can also watch the video feed, which keeps you updated uh, with, of course, Drew Kelly on the broadcast, but also the score and the clock updated in real time as well. WKTYsports.com and our mobile app, our Facebook page, and our Twitter account. You can watch literally everywhere. I'm really excited. Sometimes I I have a take, I have an idea, I have an opinion that I think of, and I I just stew on it all day, and I'm really, really excited to bring it here to the show. This is is one of those takes. Mike McCarthy's been interviewing with all these teams, right, with the Giants, with the Panthers. He is making the rounds, whereas last year, not so much. And he's been connected to the Cleveland job as well. Mike McCarthy is is making the rounds. It's seeming like it might happen for the guy. A year ago... I wasn't sure, I wasn't convinced that Mike McCarthy in a new system, in a new team, in a new building, I wasn't convinced it was going to work. And Mike McCarthy did some great work with the Packers for a long time, won a Super Bowl. But I wasn't convinced it was going to work. 15 years in one place, two quarterbacks, two Hall of Famers, very, very specific. And I'm not saying that Mike McCarthy is a niche head coach, but like an actor or like a singer, you, you can you can be cast into one role, right? Alan Rickman played a really, really, really good villain. Sam Smith, who we play on our sister station, Z93. He's kind of a slow, sappy love song ballad guy. And if you do it long enough, it kind of becomes who you are. Mike McCarthy, I think, was dangerously close to becoming a niche coach in Green Bay. And I think he might be able to catch on somewhere else and actually succeed really well. Here's why. The NFL is unique to basketball or to hockey, or to baseball, in the way that if something new is working, something, some new cutting-edge idea, defensive coordinators always figure it out. 
the, the league always swings back and forth. There's ebbs and there's flows. Passing the ball is is all the rage. Now running the ball is all the rage. The read option is crazy. Well, now we want you to... The RPOs with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's something new every year. And nothing ever lasts too long. No trend ever lives more than a couple of years. Because the coaches are so smart. The players are so talented. I think Mike McCarthy could be exactly what one of the teams in need of a coach. I think he's exactly what they need. One of those teams. I don't know if it's Cleveland or if it's Carolina. This last coaching hire, what was all the rage? What was the trend? It was young, up-and-coming offensive minds that would inject new ideas. Would it, would would transform existing players. Right? Would be married to a quarterback and, and revolutionize offense. Cliff Kingsbury was hired to go with Kyler Murray. Zach Taylor, well, I actually, I don't know who he was hired if he was hired to be with Andy Dalton, but he was brought in for his offensive know-how, his up-and-coming mind, hopefully new, exciting ideas. Matt LaFleur was brought into Green Bay to inject new offensive wrinkles and, and reinvent Aaron Rodgers. Now, you can argue if any of that happened. I think Cliff Kingsbury did a really good job with Kyler Murray. The Packers' offense was similar enough with LaFleur, but the results have changed, and Zach Taylor is coaching the Bengals, so that's hard to judge. But the new up-and-coming offensive young minds were big through the last coaching hire. Cliff Kingsbury's 40. Zach Taylor's 36. LaFleur's only 40. Young coaches were the thing. I think this coaching hire, we might see a transition. We might see a switch, as we often do in the NFL, like I said. Now running the football is the thing. Last couple of years, it's been pocket passing. Back in the early 2010s, it was the read option. Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, RG3, they were all doing it. Then with the Eagles, it became about the RPOs. Run-pass option. you got to have a quarterback that can dictate the way the play is going to be run at the line of scrimmage. And now running the ball is sexy. Running the ball is now sexy. The Niners have made running the ball sexy. They run so many different plays off of the exact same set. Very hard to figure out defensively. Very hard to figure out. The Patriots run the ball because they can't really throw the ball. The Texans run the ball because they have Derrick Henry, and that man is a torpedo with legs. The Vikings, all I hear about is Dalvin Cook. Remember Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen? How They were all the rage last year. Mm-mm, it's Dalvin Cook. He's coming back. He's healthy. Watch out. Here come the Vikings. And the Packers, of course, had made running the football important in a way we haven't seen probably since Eddie Lacy in 2014, their last deep playoff run. Running the football is back. And much like the NFL is transitioning to running the football, I think Mike McCarthy is going to be the exact type of coach general managers and owners are looking for in this coaching hire. Unlike what we saw last year with a 40-year-old Cliff Kingsbury, 36-year-old Zach Taylor, et cetera, et cetera. I think ownership and general managers, after watching what happened with Freddie Kitchens, and after watching the way Carolina fell apart after Ron Rivera was fired, you want a grown-up. You want a powerful, commanding voice in the room. You need a guy who commands respect and doesn't put up with Baker Mayfield's jabbing, doesn't put up with his drama. Doesn't put up with Odell Beckham Jr.'s antics. Want a guy who's been there, done that, commands respect. Ron Rivera is that guy. You you saw how quickly Washington snapped him up. And you saw the way Carolina fell apart after he was fired. Who's been probably the most, who's done the most impressive job offensively in the NFL this year? Either head coach or offensive coordinator. Think about it for a sec. I think if you ask most football fans, they'd be hard-pressed not to say Greg Roman. I know Kyle Shanahan has been tremendous. But Greg Roman has put his fingerprints all over the Ravens offense. 
completely transitioned away from what has been popular the last couple of years in the NFL, embraced running the football, embraced Lamar Jackson's skill set, rather than trying to plug him in a more traditional pocket-passing offense. Greg Roman's 47 years old, and he's been on different teams. He's made the rounds. And I think with coaching, right or wrong, we start to think that once a coach has bounced around a couple of times, eh, they've been there, done that. They've, they've had their time. The game has passed him by. Maybe some people thought that about Greg Roman before this year. Not anymore. And maybe some people thought that about Mike McCarthy, that he had really spent all his cash as a coach of the Green Bay Packers, and he's got nothing left to give. But after watching all these young coaches come in, and, and did Matt LaFleur really revolutionize the Packers' offense? No, they started winning. Did Cliff Kingsbury revolutionize what the Cardinals are doing? No, he's certainly off to a good start with Kyler Murray and Zach Taylor while well, he's in Cincinnati, so that's just, that's just tough. But I think ownership, general managers, front offices are going to say, let's transition away from what was the rage last year and let's get a mature adult. Let's get a Ron Rivera. Let's get a Mike McCarthy. I think Mike McCarthy's going to work. I think, Mark, I think Mike McCarthy is going to stick and he's going to do really, really well wherever he lands up if he should land in a head coaching role. And I think at least one one job is going to be wanting to hire Mike McCarthy. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get offers. Now, if Mike McCarthy says, well, I want this job and this job, this other job offered me the gig, but I said no, okay, I can see that. But if he wants an opportunity to be a head coach, I think he can get it. And I think much like Greg Roman really came into Baltimore and 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 we saw kind of an old school mindset versus what we saw a year ago, with all those new young offensive minds, I think Mike McCarthy could do a lot of the same, and I think he will work. And a year ago, I didn't feel that way. This isn't a Packer thing. This isn't a hometown thing. A year ago, I thought, you know, maybe Mike McCarthy's done. I was thinking about it the last couple days. I don't think he's done. I don't think he's done. I think he's going to work out somewhere. I think he is exactly what one specific team out there needs. Ron Rivera got snatched up right away. I think the two are very similar. Very similar. Enjoy the wild card games this weekend. Enjoy the local action tonight on WKTY, Logan and on Alaska. Tune in in just about a half hour for pregame. Have an awesome weekend. I'll be back to talk about it all on Monday. Talk to you then.